0: Could you walk me through an average day in your life?
1: My answer would be no, I regret that I cannot, because where is that day?
0: Hey, I'm Sasha Four, and welcome to So Passes Life, a podcast about time and how people spend it. Today, on our first episode, I'm joined by the poet Sharon Olds and activist and scholar Aaron Gross. I had asked them a question about their average days. Here's
1: Aaron. For most of my life,
0: I was not a morning person. I loved to sleep in.
1: So I stretch out my back, I sit up, and sometimes I'll think about my dream. Sometimes a dream will start me off on a, on a poem.
0: And then um, and then usually the day is thrown at me.
1: Yeah and I find my notebook if I want to draw something or write something and often poems these days do come out of my dreams. So that way I don't miss something from the night if I would have liked it. This isn't This is somewhere between a compulsion and a pleasure.
0: So there tends to be this large part of the day where I'm kind of experiencing myself more as being kind of uh, borne along by the commitments I've already made. And and then the day comes to a close between like six or, or seven.
1: A good day. Yeah,
0: that's a good question. Um, I mean, I say what what was kind of there in my tone was, you know, I don't know that we really know.
1: Well, if I write a poem that I like, if I'm allowed to have a glass of wine at the end of the day, which I am not on most days, (laughs) because I don't have very good self control, it's just so blissful to relax.
0: I would say it's about, what, what makes a good day is really the quality of my mind. I mean, one of the, one of the things that is more clear to me um, as I've gotten older is, you know, is the extent to which what I previously attributed to circumstances and in seeing it much more about the kind of quality of mind I, I bring to it.
1: Here's your question again.
0: Uh, is there such thing as a lost
1: day? <clears throat> I don't think so. There's a chance to work. When I was a kid I wanted to grow up and deliver care packages in Europe. I what did I know from Europe? I was born in forty two, so those first three years I did hear things. Uh, but the idea that I could deliver food and clothing, and maybe a book or a doll—it chokes me up a little just to say it to a child far away who had been suffering terribly. So, and then so poetry is the closest I could come to that.
0: And I think what makes a bad day is very often, in my case, not so much a. a, a terrible thing happening but just feeling like the day kind of uh, happens to me like the uh, the appointments and the meetings and the obligations just kind of rush together but those would be the days i would say are not such such good days those aren't the ones i want to cultivate do you ever wish you could have less control over your life i don't actively think i want less control over my life but I do think, uh, like I was saying before, we don't really, we're not usually very wise about some really important things like what makes for a good life.
1: I know someone, daughter of a poet, who noticed that in a taxi, we're both going Upper West Side from Lower East Side, she noticed I was holding on to everything I could hold on to. It was a, a bit of a wild ride, 20 years ago. And she told me that she loved when that happened in life, just being tossed around. I'm not like that. Oh, well, that's her. I mean, I love to dance. And so I love to toss myself, or when I used to be able to toss myself around, Am I out of control? No, but I'm letting my unconscious run the boat.
0: Yeah, there, so I could say there is a certain way in which, yeah, if I have less control, um, if I'm just kind of forced to be with circumstances, those can often be really good days. So, so yeah, there, there is a way in which less control sometimes can be really beneficial.
1: Um, how much control do I have when I'm writing? Maybe not that much. I don't sit and think, what should the next word be? I re- and that's partly why I write with a pen. Uh, because then it's like an arm, an arm motion. And then it connects to my body. And some people say memories are stored in the body. That makes sense to me. When I dance, when I used to take class, when we had free time dance, Memories would just flood up in me.
0: Yeah. Is there time I would like to have back?
1: I wish I could have time with Carl. I mean, uh, he, he... passed away. I have started saying passed away. I used to think it was so corny. Come on, people die. And then it began to be sentimentally sweet. But you know what? It would be too sad for me to even think of that. I control my sadness as much as I can or need to. And then when I'm writing, it can come out.
0: I mean, I think the, you know, the times that I regret the most are um, kind of times in which I think I was insensitive to people I love and care about who are close to me. And I feel like there's a period in my life in which, um, yeah, I got a lot done that I cared about, but I, but I spent my time very poorly in, in another way.
1: I would like to go back to to the day that my elder child when my younger child was going to be born soon came to me and gave me her pacifier and said I think I should give this up before the baby is born. And I w- I said you're so brave. I'm going to put it in this drawer so you'll know where it to- and also her stuffed animal worn to, she was like three 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 and a half, worn, worn, worn out. Of course I still have it. Uh, and I wish I had gone back and said, darling, that's so brave of you. I'm so proud of you. You're gonna be such a great big sister to your little brother or little sister, but you're gonna need it. Cause life around a baby is hard. I would, You know, I would do a lot. Yeah, that's the regret of my life. Now, how did she turn out? Unbelievably great, and him. Great, great, great. There's just something about mistakes we make with the people we love the most. We just wish we wouldn't we do, because we're human. Do I forgive myself? Totally. Malice? None.
0: And as I, uh, I think, developed a little bit more balance, you know, obviously I maintain a pretty robust activist schedule, but I think it's much more balanced with personal life. That's, um, yeah, that, that, that gives to me in surprising ways. It's not just the, you know, quality time matters. It's it's also these unexpected things that, that happen when you um, you know, really invest in 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 other people and let them shape you. Do you have any recent dreams that have made a big impression on you or any oh, yeah. recurring dreams? And now I
1: remember the one from last night. I am very surprised that Virtually every night, I dr- in my dream is my former husband, we were married for 32 years, very happily so, and then things hmm, changed a little at the end, but he's doing fine and I'm doing fine. And every night, he's in a dream of mine, which seems to me, at my age, it's been like 20 years, 25 years, that seems pathetic.
0: Yeah, dreams. Um, I have one recurring dream that has been kind of uh, significant, and it's a it's a dream I first had. Apparently, I was younger than five years old. I, I remember having this dream very vividly before we m- we moved when I was five years old. <laughs> it's a pretty dark dream. I'm kind of like standing on on the on top of the world, as it were and most of the kind of land around me is uh is is all kind of destroyed there was this area in my neighborhood which had just been uh bulldozed to build a hospital and so you know the ground looked all torn up there and so that was the image in in my kind of dreamscape of most of the the earth in front of me but right below my feet the little patch of land i'm standing on is this you know kind of lush green um little green space, this tiny little green space in this you know, sea of, of desolation, and I'm, uh, I'm bending down to pick a flower in the, in the dream, and as I'm bending down to um, pick the flower, a bulldozer comes and knocks out that last bit of land pretty dark and at first I had the dream when I was sick so it seemed like when I first had the dream it was like the having the bulldozer was more like me just feeling physically bad but the dream like I still it's the only dream I still kind of talk about 40 years later and it has some it has some kind of sense of things being broken in the world you know, I think even as a, you know, kid, you intuit that the world is in a certain kind of place. And, uh, I mean, for me that, you know, like, like Heschel, that brokenness um, does have everything to do with how we relate to time.
1: It really is with me because then I got to meet the love of my life, who passed away two years ago. Uh, but uh, how wonderful that was. So but even with that even knowing that my late beloved and I were like everything to each other in a way I'd never experienced before or had he why am I still I mean it's sad I I, and I don't understand it
0: my best day ever One one way I think I can do it has to do with the experiences that are produced in silent retreats. What you know, what would make somebody want to spend three months? <laughs> you know, it's it's hard to get three months off work. Believe me, uh, you know, most people would not want to spend that in, um, you know, in silence. And a big part of what makes someone willing to do longer and longer retreat work, and that makes me willing to do longer and longer retreat work, is that while Retreat work tends to be up and down. There are states of calm and presence that I find, you know, essentially impossible or extremely difficult to achieve in day-to-day life, um, that are really special, and that you know you could you could call some of my you know some of my best days ever. Yeah, days in which I was deep in silent retreat, and well, here's how I would describe it. It's more that in everyday kind of living we are kind of inundated by all these scripts that help us direct our lives and we are you know constantly engaging um, and responding to everything that's coming at us uh, and trying to you know bring our best to it. And in spending our lives like that, and most of us never, really leave that state I think we don't um, we don't really ever get to know what you know being is like we kind of learn what it's like to do things but we don't really get intimate with what it means just to exist
1: I'm just thinking right away of a day when he could hardly walk anymore Luckily he had a lot of time without too much pain. He bought a place in New Hampshire and turned it into a nature retreat, especially for city kids, Boston, such an angel. Um,
0: And what I've experienced with meditation is that it turns out just existing and your first reaction to it is this is just boring you know that is the first reaction people have for a long time in meditation but then something happens and while it wouldn't be easy to describe what I can say is it stops being boring and you start to realize that there's really something extraordinary you have a felt experience of the extraordinariness of being alive Uh, which is not something we you know we, we get that in little kinds of flashes and moments but normally it's not just kind of like sitting there as an empirical experience where, where you begin to realize that yeah, you're, even if you don't get anything done, there is something pretty remarkable about the kind of, you know, phenomena we are as living beings.
1: Um, yeah, so when he couldn't walk and I would go for the weekend and we would go to the stream and once to that stream came a black-throated blue warbler. I had never seen one before since. So I think that day, I think that day knowing he was happy, knowing he was not afraid wasn't afraid of death who wasn't afraid to die he, he said he just didn't have anything to be afraid of anymore and I had said to him when you die and he said oh I love how you say that everyone says if I said well we're a little past that when you die I want you to rest and I'll find you I mean, if he had said that to me, I wouldn't be afraid to die. He'd get there. I mean, do I know I'm talking in a dream talk? Sure. Do I believe in Darwin? Sure. At the same time, there's something very true about dream talk, true for the soul.
0: Thank you so much for listening to my show. I'd like to give a huge thank you to Sharon Olds and Aaron Gross. Special thanks to Ellie Blyer and Cy4. Stay tuned for future episodes soon.